Today's readings run the gamut from the high watermark of Solomon's reign, where the temple has been built and Solomon is offering this high prayer in the temple to God, asking God in the most humble and honorific terms possible to come and dwell amongst God's people, to a letter ostensibly written by Paul from prison to a little band of Christians in Ephesus in the first century, where we have this curious juxtaposition of powers and principalities, if you will, of the works of darkness and the powers of evil versus those who put on the armor of light and yet in the same breath talking about being shackled in chains. To Capernaum in the North Country, Galilee, off the beaten track, and Jesus and his band of followers wrestling with a difficult teaching. The author to the Ephesians talks about the mystery of the gospel. And I want to talk with you just a little bit about that mystery today and what is really going on. And it comes in some part based on the experience of the summer, which, like many of yours, has been a bit of a whirlwind for me. You know, from being in Nagasaki and in the middle of an earthquake and in the middle of a typhoon to being in Salt Lake City to being in New York with a band of crazy religious worshiping and contemplating prayer. What is this mystery of the gospel that seems to persist across the centuries? And what is it that is so problematic for so many of Jesus' followers in today's reading? If you have been around for a few weeks uh, this summer, you'll have noticed we have spent a lot of time in this great teaching on Jesus the bread of life. And it opened with Jesus feeding the multitudes. That sort of watershed moment, if you will, or high watermark in his ministry when suddenly the crowds are moved. Why? Because they have been fed. And so they are a bit like the ancient Israelites following God in the wilderness after the exodus from Egypt. They know this God will feed them but they also know as soon as they're fed, their bellies will be empty again very soon. And so they begin to grumble almost before they finish the last mouthful. They begin to grumble and question, why are we here? Why are we doing this? And of course, one of the first things they want to do is make Jesus the political savior and messiah and be a good Messiah, one who throws the bums out, right? And restores the ancient political order, or at least the one that they remember in their sort of cultural myth, as we all have. But Jesus keeps pointing to something else, and they cannot quite see it. Because like us, it is easy for them to get caught up in the creature comforts and the idea of a full belly. 
and food enough for today. To be caught up in chasing after what some people have called the bread and circuses of the day, rather than the deeper truths. And there's only one way to cut through that, and that's this wildly bizarre teaching about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood, which should sound scandalous to our ears, and certainly did sound scandalous to the ears of his first followers. What is Jesus talking about? And being constantly told, you will not come to me unless you are called by God to come to me. This teaching that doesn't quite sit right. That is the mystery of the gospel. And it's a mystery that's been with us from the very beginning. Despite our best efforts, I might add. It's a mystery, I would say, that was in the bowels, if you will, of general convention this past summer as the great sausage mill of legislation got up and running. And I was in the very depths of that process. And believe me, it's not a pretty process <laughs> at all. It's technical and fraught. And you get towards the end of general convention, and tempers get just a little bit frazzled. At one point, I found myself staring down a bishop right across the table in the midst of legislation moving between the houses. It's an experience I will never forget. <laughs> but I will say very much to his credit, he heard what I had to say. He heard what I had to say. That's kind of the craziness of general convention. Somehow the gospel was there spurring us on. Or take Nagasaki which 70 years ago this month was decimated in a nuclear explosion. And the many Christians who died there. In fact, the pilot of the plane who dropped the atomic bomb on Nagasaki was sent not to Nagasaki initially, but to another city which happened to be clouded over. So Nagasaki was a secondary target. And when he looked down through the site, the biggest target he could see and the target that he aimed for was the Roman Catholic Cathedral in Nagasaki. Take that on board for a minute. Nagasaki today has rebuilt. There is a shrine to the martyrs of Japan who were murdered there by the government in 1597. And there is an enormous peace park and then a memorial at the Hypo Center including a fragment of that cathedral. And the fragment of that cathedral that survived included a statue of Jesus and some of his first followers. And there they stand witness, close to the center of that awful and terrible explosion, in the midst of this bustling city. Or take New York, I just passed through it last weekend in all of its glory and splendor and smells and bells and trains and people and gruffness. It's not the most polite place in the world, I must say. 
the gospel and that mystery persists. And it persists in this way. Centuries ago, empire tried to co-opt Christianity. You remember your history? You remember when Constantine tried to take on Christianity to unify his empire? We still struggle with that legacy, but it never quite worked right. Something was wrong. There was always a burr in the saddle of the great imperial powers, a stone in the shoe of those who would curry power and consolidate control and dominate others. There was always a thorn in the side of those given over to authority. And that is the scandal of today's gospel. The earliest Christian writers understood the scandal. In fact, they used the ancient Greek word scandalon to describe it. And scandalon means stumbling block, something you trip over or you fall over. You can't quite get past it. And it was there for the temple authorities, and it was there for the later imperialists, and it was there for the church authorities when we deserve it, we deserve it a lot, to stumble over, to trip over, so that we fall flat on our face. Because, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the only way we can be open to our salvation. Jesus knows this about us and about his first followers, and so he sets out in this great teaching about the bread of life to scandalize his hearers, to get them past the literal and the visceral, to get them past the creature comforts and all the things that they fixate on that are temporary and passing away. That is the only way, by stumbling, by falling headlong into scandal, that they will be open to the message of eternal life. But it's a tough business, this business of the mystery of the gospel. It's a business that often leaves us in shackles, as Paul was in that prison, it's a business that leaves us in a minority, whether we are Christians in Japan or Christians in Marin County, right? Attending church. We are a scandalous bunch. And we are meant to be so because we are called to be that burr in the saddle, that stone in the shoe, that thorn in the side of those who would curry power in this world because we carry a message other than power. Carrying a message of radical love is not just hippies in the 60s, is it? It sells for a while, right? But it's past, it's prime now. Have you noticed? Radical love is the ancient message of the gospel, 
and it is a language that the world will never quite be comfortable with because it's a language that has little to do with power or control and even less to do with domination. It has to do with freeing others, bringing healing where there is suffering, self-offering rather than grasping. And so we must stumble over the scandal so that our hands may release their grasp on all those things that we have fixated on, so that our hearts may be opened, so that as the world laughs, we may hear the message of eternal life. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.